It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born <laughs> you know it, folks. Hey. hey, we're in studio. We're live. If you're here with us, I really appreciate that. Uh, what an awesome little uh, video vignette of uh, the three years of losing in style here uh, at a shared universe <laughs> podcast studio in Bell Labs, New Jersey, baby. All right. The heart and soul, man. That's it. Uh, as you guys know, my two dads are here. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it uh, means a lot to me. So, of course, LP, real quickly, just say hello to the fans. Hey, well, Thank them for this, uh, this was three years. Awesome. This is awesome. Three years we've been doing this shit, and people are still listening. <laughs> it's pretty are good. you really that surprised? <laughs> oh, it's the truth. And you guys know the voice behind the ones and twos back there, the man, the master, the Wizard of Oz himself, the big kahuna, yeah. whose real name well, we revealed recently. Yeah, behind what's up, gentlemen? In front of the curtain, he's just the man, the wizard. Pay and no uh, attention to the afro behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and a guy that uh, I've gotten to call one of my uh, good friends, a, a guy who I harass via text message on a weekly basis, the guy who happens to run the studio here, uh, my friend and yours, the merciless Ming Chen, brother. Thank you so much for being here, dude. What's up, everybody? Good job, son. Good job. We're really proud of you. Really, your two dads really. are very proud of you. Uh, see, if, now imagine in a world where I was adopted by you, and then, see, my parents, they could have gotten away with it. They didn't have to tell me. You know what I mean? At some point, we're going to have that conversation. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. Just, I'm noticing I have these blonde hair and blue eyes, and my face looks like a retired cop. Uh, just don't ask questions. I <laughs> uh, need to know, and you don't need to know. It's awesome. Awesome to be here, man. Uh, just to give you guys the scoop real quick, you know the deal. We went ahead, and uh, Stu Greenberg's already in the chat. We knew that. All right, Nick Franco, yeah, the ante go. is upped, Nick Franco. <laughs> That's right. All right. Ten bucks, he's the next wrong. comment. I'll tell you what, Nick Franco might still be nursing a hangover from the wonderful yeah. time he had <laughs> at the after party of Escape from Jacksonville, uh, my first album that we recorded. Where else? At the Smod Castle. All right? Yeah. We thought about doing it here. You just didn't have enough chairs, Ming. That was the problem. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem. I mean, I mean, and you're the first like official uh, show there. Really, everything else was Kevin related. So yeah, that part felt good. That was cool. Yeah, it was great. They finally got to uh, uh, charge money, you know, for. Uh, <laughs> 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 but it was awesome, man. Hey, Chris Cullen in the comments there. Chris, thank you for coming out, dude. He came up, sat up front, man, and he didn't bring his uh, his cousin that uh, you know maybe had a couple a couple few too many nachos at a certain Count Basie show recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you get thrown up on two? That's oh, a dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, this is, uh, we're riding a hot streak, man. Uh, Clerks 3 wrapped up production. I got two of the stars of it here with me today. Uh, really? One, uh, oh, one yeah. big kahuna and one Ming Chen. I got I to gotta, I gotta try it. <laughs> pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well it? done. Did I nail it? Yeah, you got it. Perfect. It's the truth, Cut, man. print. But with everything going on here, and by the way, just so you guys know, the esteemed Christian Cordez was the director of uh, Escape from Jacksonville, did an amazing job, made me feel like the beautiful princess that I am. <laughs> all right. It didn't take much convincing. <laughs> Tiara and all, but no, buddy, he did such a phenomenal job. That I haven't seen any of it yet, but just the feedback I've been getting, your crew was awesome. Uh, everybody who came out to the show was incredible. 
um, the comics that uh, were there for me. I, of course, I, I could not have done it without uh, Joe Fernandez and, of course, the great Jackie Byrne. Um, and was... very cool moment, too. Uh, we didn't build a View Askew universe, all right? We haven't quite done that yet. But in our weird loser universe we have, Dad, it was kind of a cool moment to have people outside sitting there saying, like, oh, my, hey, that's Mike Zapsik. You know, there knows, <laughs> right, right. and then other people are like, oh, it's great to finally meet you. I've heard you on so many episodes of American, and people are meeting other guests, are meeting other right. guests and listeners and Patreon people, and uh, it just means the world to me, man. This is this was my dream project. I thought it was going to be a book. Then we found out how hard it is to write books, right. and then I said, Ming, how about I? Can I just talk a little bit? <laughs> right. And Ming's like, Yeah, well, we've made it happen, dude. It's it yeah, literally man. the Saint Ming of founding losers. It was also three years ago today that you made the horrible mistake of not telling me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. It was a Grover that, Cleveland episode, and I was like, what do you think about that, Kahuna? Yeah, that was, that was your own fault, dude. That's right. You leave the door open, that's what happened. It's, I'm trying to think of what the right sitcom reference would be, but I think it was like we, we thought it was just going to be like a, you know, like a background player kind of. Like, what's the, the guy on Friends or whatever, Gunther, the guy who... Yeah, uh, yeah, the uh, the yeah Steve Urkel, he was only supposed yeah. to be one episode. <laughs> that's right. Oh man. oh man! No, it's perfect. Urkel. Or, or I'm sure I, I bet you that uh, you know that there's a couple other people from the Clerks universe. Uh, I, I don't think that Jay and Silent Bob knew that they were going to be the uh, titular characters of so many movies down the road. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually, we'll all be working for Kahuna, so it's good to have him here now while That's he's right. on the rise. Still keep him in check a little bit. Maybe. Uh-huh. Say we knew him when. It's the truth, man. Um, but thank you so much to everybody who came out for that one. It means a lot. All right. Uh, it has been three years. You're goddamn right, Bill. You're goddamn right it's been three years. And because I'm an asshole, I had to sit there and I had to write a term paper every week. I don't get to come on here and just riff about yeah, something really. cool you're in the ju- news. You were just saying that you did this instead of writing a book. It would have been a whole lot easier to write a I book think we hit, yeah, We probably hit the book by now. <laughs> but the biggest thing here is uh, the people over at uh, the Founding Losers. You mean a lot to us. All right. Every listener counts but the founding losers are the reason why we get to keep this all right i've literally been paying sometimes sometimes money gets tight and ming lets me pay in some of this confederate gold that we have at the house. <laughs> <laughs> but uh because of the founding losers you guys let this thing happen man it means a lot to me uh the album's going to come out uh i think we're aiming for sometime uh, uh you tell me actually like late october late october i'm thinking halloween baby you know That'd what i mean cool. And then uh, the film version of it will come out uh, a while after that. We're going to sit there and enjoy some album sales for a little bit. But it's all been a culmination of that. And by the way, I was able to hire the esteemed services of one Christian Cordez. I'm using his, his given name as the artist. <laughs> the government name, man. That's oh, wow. <laughs> Put me out there like that. All right. We were able to afford it because I, I picked up a couple other side hustles. Uh, I've been saving up my money very, very carefully. And uh, Ming's been working with me on uh, a couple things here in order. The studio time is accounted for. The show's not going away. And we just took all the money out of that Patreon and pretty much just signed it away on a giant check that said Kahuna. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, that that's why the dream is happening the way it is, man. But it means a lot. And I'm excited to uh, be here with you guys. So this one's cool, man. Uh, Ming, question for you, dude. Yes. Um, be honest. Okay. How, how many <laughs> podcasts? How many podcasts have come through here, and probably had a lot of fun, and then sputtered out to another, and then they either just stopped doing it. Oh, or a good number. A good number. number. Yeah, 10, 12, 20. I've lost count. It, it happens all the time. A start and stops. Yeah, you know, you, you have fun for a while. It's like a, it's like a good party. You know, it's <laughs> great in the beginning, and then, then you want to go home by the end, by about three o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> you're ready to go home. But guys like us, you want to go to the diner, get some yeah, real drunk food. 
guys yeah, like guys us. Guys like us, we keep going, man. You know, five, six. We're like the key master, man. We have <laughs> make sure everybody gets home okay, and then we keep going. And then we go and get uh, Aerosmith tickets, man. That's the like move. Days and Confused, man. So That is, I will say this, nobody, the, the jet setting that you do is remarkable. And uh, Unbelievable. Sometimes he's like in Austin, Texas. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. He's at a dive bar on social yeah. media. And then he still gets back to me about a text just letting me know, oh, uh, Christian's running a few minutes late today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't worry. He's coming. He's on his that's way. A, he's that's on predictive way. text. He's though. on his way. So oh, I, I, always taking care of you. I, always making sure you're taking care of whether I'm in Austin, Texas or or Texas, Austin. I don't, you know, like wherever. Whatever. Yeah. What? So, <laughs> Paris um, or Paris, Texas or wherever. Yes. It's been the move. Uh, could be in. Uh, now, by the way, I'll just throw this one out there for you guys because uh, I've tried this as a joke on stage and I can't make it any funnier than what the actual truth is. Ming, have you been to Rahway, New Jersey before? I I've been through Rahway. I think my mom have. told me not to stop no, in Rahway. I, <laughs> I don't want to stop in Rahway. They got um yeah. Rahway State is um it's a certain kind of a place. Sure. But uh, anyway, Rahway's original name was I shit you not Spanktown. <laughs> it was named Spanktown, <laughs> and they have changed the okay. name. By the way, the, the town was named supposedly. This is the story that the early settlers were coming through there, and then one of the guys who like went on to be one of the first mayors of uh, what became known as Spanktown just <laughs> bent his wife over in the middle of the entire town, little wagon party, and just started spanking her on a hill. And then they're like, "Oh well, we should probably just name our entire yeah. town after this, right?" And uh, they did. And there was actually Civil War action. I'm not sorry, not Civil War. Revolutionary American Revolutionary War. War action, known as the Battle of Rahway now, because they changed it. Because for a <laughs> the long Battle time, of Spanktown doesn't really have the nice. Dad yep. was killed in Spanktown. Yes, every <laughs> your father wakes up and screams about the things he saw at Spanktown. Because <laughs> oh, well, Jersey's just a weird place, dude. It's a weird place. But it is the center of the universe, as we've proven time and again. It really, there's no way around it, man. Yeah, uh, much. I'll say this to you as well, too. Ming, if I could ask you, I'm not putting you on the spot. Okay. Here. All right. Is there any episodes that we did that stood out to you? Uh, Typhoid Mary was probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. That poor bitch. Um, <laughs> Just a hardworking girl and trying to make her way in life. And right. Didn't tell any anyone. Let her, no one told her what to do, when to stop. When to stop and when and when to stop and when to stop. <laughs> That's right. um, and man. even when she was told, she just it was no. Did a side uh, a side shuffle and uh, and she came was, up again and she was tracked down by literally a shit detective, not a detective who's bad at his job, a shit detective that was in the <laughs> sewers, just sitting there saying, "Hmm, seems to be a lot of typhoid nearby. Any Irish female cooks in the area?" <laughs> so, oh no. Now she was a favorite, and people were bringing up that too because the typhoid scare. Um, unfortunately, you know, it had a lot. A lot of people were going back and listening to that episode again, saying, "Well, what was the typhoid freak out?" Because that was right at the start of COVID. You know, and, right. Then it happened again at uh, DJ's in Belmar, right? <laughs> Didn't that happen? <laughs> Not that long ago. So there's been a lot of diseases uh, <laughs> over the years at that place. Shout out DJ. That's <laughs> DJ's in my car. B E L M A R. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, this one's fun, man. We're uh, we're having a couple of Guinnesses here to uh, to appreciate because we had uh, last year the second year anniversary show. I had a lot of personal stuff going on. It wasn't a great, great time for me. But as uh, Kahuna said, we're riding the high right now, LP. Of the work we did this year, is there anything that stands out to you as your favorite episode mm. we did? Because we had to do some weird podcasting yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was, there, was there was some good ones uh, in the, year three, that's for sure. I'm just looking over the list here to 
kind of refresh the the memory, but. Um, because Ming may or may not have forgotten to lock the doors a couple of times, and we maybe perhaps were podcasting. I love it. Wow, look at how consistent you guys were. It's, it's, it's amazing. We were good that way. No, that's yeah, why I did the show with my dad, because nobody motivates me to work hard like you, sir. You know that, right? Nobody, that, nobody motivates you to write a term paper every week like, every week like your dad. On the dot. On the money, man. <laughs> and I you think do the, the one same that we ought to, uh, should have saved for... Uh, Mother's Day would be uh, Hetty Green, the Witch of Wall Street. I mean, she was just filthy rich, had money coming out the wazoo, uh, you know, just killed it on Wall Street. And yet when her own son is injured, she, <laughs> <laughs> she tries to take the kid to the free clinic and is recognized and is turned away. And uh, rather than going out and paying for the, the medical attention that this kid desperately needed, she said, oh, you, you'll be all right. We, we'll treat you at home. And then the kid later had to have his leg amputated because uh, she refused to have the kid taken care of by uh, by professional medical staff but like holy yeah cow, lady. Uh, you yeah. know what uh, the next you year for christmas with a couple of bucks but really yeah next year for christmas she gave him uh, the game operation <laughs> <laughs> you just learn how to do it on yourself now yeah, yeah. fix yourself but no typhoid mary definitely is one of them uh hetty green's definitely one of them but uh we had because we we've collected this i thought this was going to be the original idea for this was and I still might do it, um, and I probably shouldn't say it out loud. But you know what? We've only got about eight people listening right now, so to hell with it. That's a <laughs> <laughs> um, the original idea for this was going to be a book that was going to cover the loser of every presidential election. That that's what I was going to do. Right. It's not an election year yet. It's going to get there, so I have some time to sit down and write this. And I'm going to go ahead and do it. We're going to do it in chapter four. And that's when we found some of the great names. I know Nick Franco already said it on there. Um, William Jennings Bryan, one of my, I mean, that guy's like a hero to me, you know, uh, one of the, the big, the big time, uh, yeah, he was a three time presidential. Loser. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he got screwed over by the full force of the machine every single time. Yep. It was pretty, sometimes the machine was known as, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt. So then, you know, you can't really, what do we, te do we teach you guys anything on this show? Someone write it in the comments so we can blast it up there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who's right. learned something? Who other learned something today? Who used or, us as a Wikipedia source? What fun That's fact right. have you come across mm -hmm. by listening to American Loser? Tell me anything you think about on there, but we know the one big thing that you guys have learned on this show, if nothing else, don't fuck with TR. TR. <laughs> All right? Man. Yeah. He the man. He's hard to beat on that one, man. We covered a lot of good ones here this year for uh, Loser, though. It's, um, and I like Nick Franco. Yep, of course, he was the Buffalo Bills of presidential elections. <laughs> Just couldn't pull out that victory. Oh, my God. Wide Just... right, wide right. <laughs> good Lord. Oh, man. No, it's a, it's a wild one, though. So we're going to get right into it here. We're not going to keep you guys hostage. Uh, we're very happy to be here. Uh, Ming, uh, Ming's family is arranging to pay the, uh, the, the, the ransom the money ransom that we're though. holding him for. Um, That's in Doge going on, right? It's in Doge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going to start, we're going to go all the way back to September of last year. And uh, we had, for whatever the circumstances were, I think it was, uh, so my, my best friend uh, growing up as a kid, uh, all through high school, a guy that uh, we were, you know, just diehard comedy fans together in high school. He's one of the funniest human beings I ever met. He was doing stand-up and he was very good at it, but he had one of the funniest quotes ever. He asked a booker that we worked for in Montclair, New Jersey at Tierney's Tavern. <laughs> right. He asked her after a show. He had a good set that night, and he goes up to her, and he goes, Hey, Pat, um, 
how come I'm always up first? How come I can't go up later in the show? And she just looks at me and says, you get too drunk. I have to put you up before you can get too drunk. So that is, of course, my, uh, my, one of my best friends of mine you know, ever, uh, Nate Condit. And uh, I will say this, by the way, too. Um, real quickly, uh, I, I won't pour any out on Ming's floor out of respect here, but uh, we lost possibly the funniest human being of all time today. Uh, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald, the greatest yeah. Conan interviewee ever. Ever. Norm. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Got real here for a second. Uh, he was my favorite, man, With abs- absolutely. And I wanted to give them a second here because we know the, the fans of this show – are diehards. First of all, we got uh, Milwaukee Tom, who, by the way, I don't know if you know this, LP. No. Milwaukee Tom pulled off a feat. He took one of those nice little American Loser stickers and slapped it up at the location uh, over where TR was shot and then finished his speech. Really? Oh, <laughs> yes. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yep. So we also got um, back on, let's see, uh, let, hang on, what's uh Oh, the other place we got it uh, over where the Molly Maguires, um, where the right. the prison, in Pennsylvania. And, yeah, I posted uh, uh, one of our uh, stickers up there. Right, we're trying. I'm sure they scraped them off the wall of a couple of the weird uh, dive bars in Jacksonville when I made my uh, escape yeah. down there to January. But they still might s- be found above their urinals in a number of different establishments. But uh. oh, it's a <laughs> <laughs> that one beats mine by a country mile. They probably scraped the sticker I put up at the. The Popeye's drive-thru off by now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Bill McCallan, is that it? Bill McCallan. I've learned that if you have a place like a shared universe and a good staff or dedicated team, you can have a successful podcast the last three years. You're goddamn right. Yeah, man. You're goddamn (laughs) right. Right on, Bill. No, this shit doesn't happen without you guys because I've tried other podcasts before. I've had other people talk to me about going to other networks or why am I not doing it on my own? It's because I'm lazy. All right? It's because I'm lazy. And also, Milwaukee Tom, you are right. Smedley Butler is a bad motherfucker. That's the real life Captain America, if you guys don't yeah. know. Smed, he is, oh my he God. is badass to the core. Old Gimlet Eye. Cousin <laughs> Megan, how are you? Cousin Megan, please keep your identity uh, hidden if you can. There's some people on here who keep asking about you. Right. <laughs> um, I'm teasing. I'm teasing here. But uh, it's, it's a fun one, man, so far. So I'm going to dive into this real quickly. And the guy I was talking about was my best friend, Nate Condit. He came on to be the guest for uh, an episode we did about... Uh, well, the Ford versus the Dodge brothers. That nice little rivalry little, on that little one. hidden intrigue there. For I, sure. There were so many people that were diehard Ford fans that were listening to that episode, and Nate kept shitting on the Fords <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> and he got all three levels of drunk. He got uh, he got tipsy, right. hung he got hungover drunk, tipsy drunk, and then sloppy drunk, and then was still funny throughout though. <laughs> right. So. That's my problem. His car crash is a funny one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he came on, and there were people that are diehard Ford fans that sat there, and they said, no, this is – he fucked the Dodge brothers over Royal. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's other people who are like, I used to think Dodges were crappy, but now after hearing how awesome the Dodge brothers were right. – yeah. The innovations that they came up with was pretty uh, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, and uh, it makes me regret that I drive a Kia Soul sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? But it is what it is, all right? Uh, next one. This is the one that got us the most um, attention. This is the one that got us the most hate. And a couple of weird, funny things that happened here. Yeah. Uh, Demo Dick Marcinko, the man who created SEAL Team 6. All right, Ming, you were actually our engineer for that. Yes, one. I was. And it was, uh, it was one of those ones where you just... Um, you're always doing something in the background, you're always, but I think a, a couple of times we actually just caught you, and you're like, hang on, let me make sure I'm hearing this. Yep, <laughs> yep. I had to look it up. Hang yeah. on, what season of 24 is this? Yep. this I had to look it up. Right. right. 
the so, takeoffs on that. They captured a nuclear submarine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the SEALs were working against us at one point? <laughs> right. Hang on, who was in charge here? Uh, it was all to show our vulnerability, and that really kind of pissed off the higher-ups. So. It worked. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I have friends that are uh, members of that community, and they still tell me that to this day, Demo Dick is persona non grata up there. That episode is out in full over on YouTube, too. It is like 20-something thousand listens on that one. Very, very honored to have that one. Um, and then two of the funniest things ever. One of the uh, guys was saying, uh, I wish this guy would just shut up and let uh, the real veteran Demo Dick speak. So this listener, who he's not a regular listener to this show because our listeners are smart, <laughs> right. thought well, that my, my, my father's voice is so commanding <laughs> that he thought it was Demo he Dick Marcinko, commander of fucking SEAL Team 6, right? He thought it was that. And then on top of that, he thought that I needed to shut up even though I'm the Navy veteran. <laughs> and then another guy shit all over us, and he goes, I can't believe how much this guy likes hearing himself talk. And I wrote back to him. I said, it's a podcast, dude. What do you? I don't know what you want me to do. Radio silence. Yeah. 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 Read your oh thoughts. God. I don't know. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Well, you know, I told him, Ming, I said, listen, sir, please send me your address, and I'll refund you all the money you didn't spend on right. this, you jerk off. <laughs> uh, uh. After that legendary one, Uncle Paulie came in. Uncle Paulie came in hot for the Great Chicago Fire. Um, and uh, let's, it, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's more of a myth that the cow didn't really start the fire. But, uh, you know, if Chicago's going to burn, it's probably because CM Punk had something to do with it. Yeah. I think that's. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Patrick, one of your favorites over here, uh, the mysterious agent 355. 355, yeah. We went from the Great Chicago Fire back to uh, Revolutionary War times with uh, Agent 355. And to this day, we still don't know exactly who Agent 355 was, but the— uh, It was Caitlyn Jenner, baby. <laughs> oh, good yeah, Lord. Yeah, spy network that was set up with— uh, um, through New York City and Long Island and everything, it was pretty. It yeah, those yeah, the Culper ring, right? Yeah, they're right. Yep, right. Ming. Look at Ming, huh? He's got some book. Yeah, she was Boy. signaling with her uh, her laundry uh, as to like literally that without her the I mean you don't have an America pretty much on that one. Yep, check the laundry. Nick Franco says <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Next up, we got right into, and we're going to be doing this again this year, too. Uh, every Halloween month, we like to get into, uh, as uh, as the kahuna says, spooky season. All right? We don't do pumpkin spice over here. We don't do any of that. No. We do tell you some fucked up stories. Uh, and we started it off strong with the horror of the SS Morrow Castle. Oof. LP, what do you remember about that one? Yeah, that was uh, a luxury liner that... Uh had some mysterious background information to it when you start when we started scratching the surface on that one, and of course that one is the one that washed up onto the beach of our own uh, Asbury Park. You uh, can uh, see this if uh, there's a picture of it up. I don't know if it's possible to share that on the video, Cahoons. Of the more, yeah, I'll find it. The Morrow Castle literally washed up on the shore of Jersey, right by the Asbury. Yep, right convention by the convention hall. hall. Yep. yep, it is uh, terrifying to uh, look at this and realize how many people. Uh, it was just, super close. Uh, fire breaks out, and I don't know how many people died from that one. And uh, it, it was it was spooky shit. And then uh, some of the people in Asbury wanted to turn it into a tourist attraction that uh, people come see. And then some of the other town fathers said, "You know what?" But maybe, didn't they? Though? Maybe we shouldn't kind of uh, um, charge people money for seeing how many people died, kind of a thing. It was. Uh, it was it was bad. It was Tickets bad. for a gravesite, yeah. basically. If it was still there, I guarantee you that they'd have a Springsteen chain to it. He has to play uh, Swim out your hometown. Right. 
But that was a brutal one to cover, too. And, again, so close here. We don't intend to. We thought it was cool because, by the way, a little trivia fact that everybody wants to know. Uh, the first episode of this show was about Grover Cleveland. That's the first one we ever did. That's right. And Inaugural. I found him so interesting because at the time, and this could change because it, it's really we're living in unprecedented times right now. History is always going on, and that's why I love it so damn much. But um, as of right now, Grover Cleveland is the only president to ever serve non-consecutive terms. So – it's an interesting thing here. He also happens to be from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So we didn't mean to have this Jersey connection. It was just kind of a thing that happened. And, of course, the Morrow Castle popped up there with that one, man. So it was pretty great. There um, was um, something wild that happened, actually, between this episode and very recently I saw this. Someone in Asbury Park apparently has a, a lifeboat left from the Morrow Castle. No shit. Yeah. I had, someone had posted, I think, in all around Asbury, and I was like, no way. But it apparently the last surviving lifeboat of the Moore Castle the somewhere in Asbury Park. Right. Yeah. The ones that work, because there was a number yeah. of them that were painted shut between <laughs> a, the is cruise that, lines. Is that uh, next to Hitler's toilet seat? Uh, <laughs> apparently that's yeah. in Jersey too, right? So, uh, it, it, More than likely Long Island. Uncle Adolf popped the squad. Huh? <laughs> uh, then we moved right into an equally uh, spooky little scenario down there. Uh, not quite in Jersey, just uh, over the border, over in Philly. Just across the river. Eastern State Penitentiary. Ming, have you ever been over there? Nopesville. Uh, not that one. I've been to an, or have I? I remember going to a haunted house that somewhere around there. It's uh, for a haunted, haunted prison. They do a haunted, they do a haunted yeah. thing every every yeah, Halloween, they do. right? They get pe and here's my thing. I don't want to go for that. I don't want people jumping out of me because I'll scare the shit out of myself just sitting there walking around and being like, oh, we used to cure. Hey, this lady's having screaming fits. Uh, let's see if we can't cure her by jamming an ice pick into her head. <laughs> yeah. That might solve the problem. Sure. Trust the science, folks. <laughs> That'll relieve the pressure. <laughs> oh, my God. It gets wild on that one. Um, but they were very funnier. We actually had uh, a fun family affair. We brought in uh, the newlyweds. Uh, my sister Carrie, uh, on right. one of her, you know, a fresh uh, on a family visitation day, uh, <laughs> out of prison, uh, and we brought in her wife, uh, who joined the family and is officially uh, Crystal Burke now too. All right, right? so uh, that's a uh, you know, sorry, Parkers, she uh, she <laughs> she jumped ship. <laughs> Came you over really to the did Burke bring side. in your sister for the prison episode. I forgot about no, that. Well, she came in for that one too, and then she, her and her wife came in for the Salem witch trials one. <laughs> so, and yeah, I was they were there, just was, recently uh, were visiting. They took uh, a ride Salem, up there. Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. So they came through on that one. And Crystal was a good guest too, by the way. She was very nervous about that, and she shouldn't have been because she was great. Um, but they gave us a little cool insight on that. And there was uh, there was a couple of strange things, but this part's my favorite because we're about to get into something strange. Um, when we're researching this, we'll be working hyper-focused on one particular episode, right? And then what happens is that we'll check, like we'll bounce around to something else, and then we'll get lost down a wormhole, and then we're like, well, this is a whole other episode right here. Right. And that's How many different cross-references or, or overlaps from previous losers or yeah. future losers, and it's just unbelievable. That this is where we landed on St. Clair's defeat. This is all you, sir. You found all this one. Yeah. St. Clair's defeat was... Uh, you know, you didn't hear much about that in your high school history book, but uh, um, the U.S. got the shit kicked out of them with that. During, I mean, this is post-revolutionary war, but so many things happened because of St. Clair's defeat um, that we, you know, we really kind of attribute to the National Army um, taking place because of that. That, uh, you know, after the Revolutionary War, everybody was, uh, let's downsize the Army and the Navy, uh, but at the same time, we still got to be able to protect the frontier and... Uh, 
St. Clair was uh, the guy that really, as I say, got the shit kicked out of him, and uh, we've got nothing to, to, to back him up to, to help him out kind of thing. We don't have a, a professional standing army. But uh, a lot of different things happened with that. Uh, different powers were given to George Washington um, to kind of overcome those mistakes. So a lot of times we learn by our mistakes. So hopefully history doesn't repeat us, repeat itself. But, you know, downsize the army and then somebody's going to come along and kick the shit out of you. It's uh, yeah. By the way, that was the other crazy thing, too, when people talk about the uh, centuries long wars with the United States government and the Native American uh, you know, settlers, the, the first inhabitants. Um, Sometimes just gets to this thing where it's like, oh, it's just straight massacres. That's all. No, it was close a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were pretty badass. Yeah. Don't really take them too lightly. Please don't. There's a reason why we named every cool thing in our military about them. Right. Um, but that one was a wild one because that's also known as the Battle of Wabash. And we had listeners who were like, listen, I grew up right around here. I can't believe you guys, a couple of schmucks from Jersey, are covering this. Covering that, right. <laughs> um, right. Or uncovering that, right. Really. Oh, yeah. Which then brought us into uh, an important one here. Uh, William Tecumseh Sherman. And depending on where you live in this country, uh, he's a hero or he's the worst guy that ever I believe my friend Daryl Tate has to spit on the ground every time he hears his name. <laughs> he's right. a nice Georgia boy. So. But uh, another guy who probably could have been president um, if, uh, if he had so wanted to. Civil War hero and really just a remarkable life, man. Uh, unbelievable. We have to get into the conspiracy part of the show now, Dad. We uncovered some things. Folks, Right. do you guys think bananas are racist? <laughs> do you? I'm asking you at home. Do you think bananas are racist? I'll ask my friend we Ming Chen. We just lost <laughs> Do you think bananas are racist, Ming? Uh, I don't, but uh, I, I, I hope I'm right about that. <laughs> bananas themselves are not racist, but uh, anytime you eat a banana, you are engaging in war crime here in the United States. There are two major companies that brought in the banana as a staple in the American diet. Um, one of them was uh, Dole Bananas, right? Dole. A guy by the name Dole led a Dole's conspiracy, if you will, who was down at, uh, he's part of the, the Committee of Safety, and those are the people that unseated Queen Lili Ukulani, the last monarch of the Hawaiian government. So if you ever enjoyed a, uh, a Dole banana. Or pineapple. Yeah, you overthrew <laughs> Queen Lili Ukulani, all right? Congratulations, Queen, you helped yep. overthrow a government. Yep, uh, now, not to be outdone. There was going to be a little thing called the United Fruit Company that was going to get involved uh, with something going on over in Guatemala so we could bring the nice uh, coconut and uh, banana trades here. Yeah, you you might not recognize that name, but if we say Chiquita banana, yeah. you might have oh. a little inkling as the uh -huh. yeah. You hear UFC, you think Chuck Liddell, Conor McGregor, you know, <laughs> Rashad Evans. But no, it's, uh, yeah, this particular UFC also is quite as bit uh, as damaging, if you will. And... That led us right into Bay of Pigs, which we started writing, and we said, uh, oh, shit. Uh, I think I paid Ming under the table uh, Venmo. I was like, <laughs> we're going to have to come back for another yeah. episode. Right. This that is was a two-parter. Yeah. a two-parter. Because you guys finished in the middle. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. You were, you were coming up on the time you realized, uh-oh. And I was like, oh, crap. Cause well, because how do you you look for something to skip over on that, and you're like, wait a minute, Castro was on late night TV, <laughs> right? Castro has late night credits, and I don't, and I've been doing stand up for ten years, right? You know, that part was wild. It was nuts, man. Castro also had the possibility of going into Major League Baseball. He was he was that close, that good. Thanks, but Mets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
But yeah, a, a hero, a reformer, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, this is pretty bad, and then it turned into uh, uh, JFK. Was he a calm, cool, collected guy, or was he actually just a millionaire playboy who was trying to bang everything that moved? The answer with everything is somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that was parts one and two. Now that led us to a pretty straightforward story, a refreshingly straightforward story. Ming, if you were going to throw a concert, um, you were going to throw <laughs> Ming Fest, you know, kind of like Ming Wayne's Fest. World. Okay. Like Comic-Con, huh? Yeah. I mean, you got sure. security with, uh, with that. I'm yeah. Sure, right? Yeah. You and Zap doing a live podcast, and you have the opportunity to hire the Hells Angels as security. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean why wouldn't you do it? You know, the, 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 what, what could what, go wrong? Yeah. What possibly could go wrong from that? <laughs> Altamont, baby. Altamont. The Rolling Stones concert that uh, pretty much uh, ended the hippie movement, if you will, because... Uh, I believe the Hell's Angels were paid in beer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it for free. Beer. We just want good seats to the show. We want some beer. And, and Grateful uh, Dead tickets. Oh, yeah. And they had a guy, I forget the guy's name, if Ken Krantz is here uh, uh, watching. I mean, he's not on it, so he's not going to pay attention to that. Um, but <laughs> I love you, Ken. Um, Wait, there was a guest on that episode. My my One of my great buddies, a hilarious comic, Max Antonucci. Who uh, we just got back in Jersey, folks. He did some time out there. He uh, he suffered out in uh, L.A. trying to do comedy <laughs> in, a, in a, the most brutal time to ever be out there when there was nothing. And we finally got him back in Jersey where he belongs. Uh, but that was murder and mayhem at Altamont. So that was a great, great one. Uh, next was a story that um, very inspiring. So how can we cover it on American Loser? Uh, yeah. It's very inspiring until you realize it, we did something amazing, but we didn't get anything for it. Right. You know, kind of like uh, the first eight years of my comedy career. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bull Simons and the Sante Raiders. Yeah. I think, Ming, you might have been on this one as well. I can't remember. I might have been. So in short, we got uh, Vietnam POW camps, you know, and uh, they're getting very, very poorly treated over there. And the United States says, well, we at least got to get our boys out. And they get this dude, Bull Simons, who literally looks like he was carved out of rock. I believe in my heart Stan Lee made uh, the thing after him. <laughs> okay? This guy looked right. badass. Um, and they got him, and then they ran this incredible behind enemy lines, black ops mission right deep in the heart of NVA territory, right yeah. outside of major cities, major bases. And the training that went on with it was incredible and um, oh yeah! Multi multifaceted uh, situation with uh, Army and Air Force and, and Navy, all involved with with this. That uh, it was an incredible, incredible uh, raid. That the uh, men were all volunteers too, um, right? Which was incredible, right? So it was. Uh, they weren't going to tell you anything about it, so you either had to yep. say yes or no, right? Yep. Just sign your name on the dotted line, and uh, we'll and, see you when we see you. And the thing was, well, if Bull's involved, I want in. So you know. He was just badass to the to the core, and uh, um, it was just an incredible story that uh, the Suntai Raiders. So why are they covered on this show? Yeah, because we losers? get there, we wipe out the, we beat the shit. There's by the way, I think it was Chinese and Russian soldiers on the ground. I might be wrong about the Russian part, but they were definitely it was that war of attrition thing where they were definitely getting funded war by proxy. I mean, right. Um, but it got pretty wild because the Americans show up, uh, just go full-on Terminator mode on them, uh, take care of business, and then they sit there and they get into the cages where the, the POW is being kept, and they'd been moved. So the most oh, badass oh, rescue oh, mission of all time, oh, but there's bad nobody... Intel. That, yeah. Bad intel. And it was only like a day or two prior, right? Or even a couple of hours? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. a day or two beforehand, they had moved them somewhere else. Now, because of that, and once you saw, once the NVA you know, started to see like, oh, crap, these guys can pull this shit off, 
um, that's when they started to say, well, maybe, all right, let's get to the table. Yeah, maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to have a sit down and please talk about this shit. Don't send anyone named El Toro <laughs> yeah. after us again, please. So then a nice, fun, friendly episode. <laughs> yeah, fam- family. About the Kelly family killers. Uh, all right. Wholesome uh, people. Yep, a family that would murder you if you stayed at their bed and breakfast. Here's I- a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if the mom couldn't seduce you, they'd have the pretty young daughter seduce you. And then uh, the son would then uh, beat you over the head, uh, and then they would bury you, uh, you know, somewhere on the farm, the family farm. And I forget just how many bodies they found, but there was a, a wild chase that took place to go after them because they almost got away with it. Yeah, They disappeared in the middle of the night. And then uh, they hunted these people down and uh, one by one kind of killed the family off. And it was... Uh, it was a pretty strange times when you're just in a quiet town, and I think they were in Kansas, and uh, these people are just sitting there like, well, this is, um, you know, it looks like a pretty nice place. This is a decent Airbnb, right? That's right. Nope. We'll, we'll stop here for tonight. Nope. I think it was like 12 people's remains were found uh, underneath wow. there. Yeah, and yeah it was the, a lot. Out in the pig uh, the pig pen, too, that the pigs were eating the corpses, and it was... So there was basically nothing a, left. And a trap door, uh, trap door then. To deal, uh, deal with I forgot body. about the trap door. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Go sit in the comfortable chair here. It's give you a nice view of my daughter and her sweet bosom. <laughs> That's right. Can she get you anything? Maybe a couple of... Wait a minute. Am I confusing this with the murder mansion or with this? Where the trap door was so deep that when you fell, it broke your legs? Or is that just... Or was that the murder mansion in Chicago? So uh, a lot of people would die from the fall at the Kelly family killer's house. That's but the murder mansion you're thinking of is H.H. H. Holmes. Okay. Who was murdering people at the World's Fair in Chicago. Another episode, but that mm-hmm. wasn't this past year. No, no, right, no. Right, right, right. I was just confusing the two. Right. But, yeah, you're right. The uh, That brings us to – now, it got to be a little bit of a weird time because I, I made my sojourn down to uh, Jacksonville because uh, there was nothing going up here. Clubs were shut down. Yeah. The weather was turning to shit. And uh, I talked to Ming, and you taught me how to do it a little bit yeah. on my own if I had to. Mm-hmm. Um South Beach Larry had to go be South Beach Larry, hey, you know. Snow or sit on, put my ass down on the beach in a, in a sunny climate. Absolutely. Florida. Someone picked mojitos. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right, right. So uh, you were gone, so I disappeared. Stayed with some uh, some friends that I treat like family down there in Jacksonville. And we uh, got a couple of these episodes out. But the last one we did in studio, we assembled. And it was a big one, too, because it was Andy Highroller was there, one of uh, the, the most famous <laughs> guests we've had on this show. Yeah. Um, He's about as much fun in the conversation as they get. And then we brought in our other truly fascinating man, the man from Down Under, Jack Steiger, came on board. Mm-hmm. And the three of us sat down and talked about Jack Parsons. And the episode got off the rails very, very quickly. <laughs> and uh, Jack Parsons, if you don't know, guys, he was being uh, – he's pretty much uh, the father of uh, American rocketry. And he's having conversations with people who are you know, former Nazis, brought over with Operation Paperclip, all that stuff. Um, he's dabbling in this weird kind of cool thing called the occult because he believes in sex magic. And this guy named Alistair Crowley is uh, saying, you know, hey, you're my student, man. I'm going to be your mentor. Um, here's what you do. Have you ever thought about having a massive orgy and then dedicating the orgy to whatever it is you want to manifest in your dreams? You know, <laughs> so they're doing practicing sex magic, the dark arts, stuff like that, do. the occult. Um, oh, yeah. Jack Steiger was like, this is all true. All of this is true. It works. You know. <laughs> I love my friend Jack Steiger, but I believe that if he um, if he jerks off thinking about something, uh, it comes true. Right. <laughs> Still, <laughs> the so, magical power. Yeah, because yeah. he couldn't get a ticket for Escape from Jacksonville because I sold all the tickets out, yeah. and then I thought he had bought one, so I didn't put him on my comp list. 
And then somehow or other, he was there in the crowd that day. And I was like, maybe he met. (laughs) I don't know. But but I was so happy to have the two of them in here because that story makes no sense. Because, by the way, Aleister Crowley's in the story. Some former Nazis are in the stories. We're talking about working for NASA and blowing up rockets and sending them into space. So it jumps more than a Tarantino movie is what you're saying. How weird can the story get? How weird can it get when that far into the story, a guy named L. Ron Hubbard shows up steals your wife, and runs off with all your money to start a boat business that turns into Scientology. That's right. <sighs> Listen to that Tom episode, Tom Cruise hasn't folks. taken that episode down yet. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're okay. You're still good. We paint, uh, Tom Cruise can't sue me because uh, we both had the same barber growing up in Jersey. Mm. <laughs> True story. Angelo cut my hair and his hair, too. So, um, I'll say what? Oh, Chris right, Talking about Nazis, though, that led us right into uh, our next little episode come... Uh, the beginning of January. So one last one that we also wanted to do, we wanted to make sure we got this one out there. This one was tough. We brought in Captain Chaos, Eric Albert himself, for uh, these two. These were both things he knew about. Uh, number one was Camp Siegfried, which, do you know anything? Just, I'll, you don't have to know at all. I'm just curious what you would think Camp Siegfried would be. Uh, I mean, it sounds German, so... Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Ameri- a German-American Bund had a, a camp, if you will, up in... Uh, and they had a couple of them. They had one in Jersey, yeah. too. Right over by where... Yeah, it was in Long Island. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just uh, New York, New Jersey. And the uh, around these times, because, uh, again, the German population was so overwhelming here in America, and they're saying, well, why not... Uh, oh, cool, maybe, you know, we can have a, a fond, a good relationship, the same way these, you know, these Americans are starting to warm up to England... Maybe the Germans, you know, Germany can have a, a good relationship because Germany is a new country, too, for the most part. Germany only really became one unified country um, after uh, uh, prior to World War One. So now uh, this Hitler fellow is in there and he goes, hey, man, I just want to get people feeling really good about me over in America. We got a lot of Germans over there. I want to have some German pride. I want them to be digging me. And uh, what better way to do that than with some nice uh, Oktoberfest type parties, get you some beer. You know, you want to go kayaking. Oh, by the way, we're going to set you up with uh, hot German broads. <laughs> he, right. had, he had hookers banging these uh-huh. young – or that. And this is the thing, too. I try, I've said this before. I really have said this before. You always want to believe you're going to be noble in the moment. But if 16-year-old K.P. Burke was being told, hey, you with the blonde hair, blue eyes over there. You want to fuck Taylor Swift? <laughs> Wait, all I got to do is join a party and wear an armband? All right, so how bad yeah, could this yeah, get, right? Go to summer camp. Go <laughs> to summer camp. <laughs> that yes. sounds like the basis of a Mel Brooks movie I would love. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, that's what's crazy, too, is that uh, this camp was real, and it was uh, eventually you had a lot of political uh, violence going on up there because people were saying we're not going to let these Long Island Nazis you know, have run free around here. So you talk about people fighting actual Nazis. That term's been used so much; it's been watered down. By the way, it's very interesting to me that we've overused the term Nazi so much that it now describes a wide swath of people. You accidentally gentrified the word Nazi. Right. Right. So very weird there. Back then, though, these were the legit Nazis, the people who were sitting there saying and believing all the terrible things. And they not the Illinois Nazis, that... the legit Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a major, uh, you had a major gathering in Madison Square Garden with the That's with right. the American uh, American German Party, or whatever they were calling themselves. Yeah, that, the uh, last time that uh, Madison Square Garden was full of that many white people was Dave Matthews, ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us around here, man. We are moving because I know uh, Ming's got another guest coming on here shortly. Another great one that Eric Albert came up with. America's Last Pirate. Pretty much the perfect guy for this show, John Ashley. This dude, 
was a pirate in the backwoods, the Cracker Florida people, if you will. And it was very uh, apropos to cover that before I went down to Florida. Um, but this dude pretty much was the Robin Hood down there. He was a total outlaw, lived out in the swamps, did whatever he wanted, and just kicked straight ass. He was pretty great. Uh, a lot of gunfights, uh, a decade-long feud with a sheriff that right. finally ended in the sheriff's son shooting him, I believe. And he was a... Uh... He was a multifaceted uh, individual. The original, the original Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds, buddy. Great minds. Oh, my God. Uh, moving on to the next one. This uh, was the first episode I tried on my own, and it was a struggle. I remember punching my computer because I recorded the entire thing and then realized I was not recording it after I was done. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. So uh, my fo- my poor friend Billy Barnwell had to hear me screaming about why I had to re-record an episode about a guy named Ben Bluff Wade. Now, this was very important because Ben Bluff Wade was almost the president of the United States, and he did not get uh, to hold that office because it came down to one vote. Back at the time, before they structured things differently, um, there was a a loophole where when uh, Andrew Johnson, uh, he was, you know, in trouble here, uh, (laughs) very very interesting character, um, that there was a loophole where for a hot minute there, if he was impeached, that they were going to put Ben Bluff Wade into office. Right. Right. And then Johnson only got in because uh, Mr. Lincoln wanted to go to the theater. And then. he had. <laughs> <laughs> Darkest joke of the night from you, sir. Well, it was Hamilton, damn it. Those that tickets is are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Ben Bluff Wade, um, who's a, a very, very important uh, guy in American history that no one knows about. So we tried to cover that one. Next, we had a trio of Florida losers. Three very weird stories that all took place uh, in the nearby area while I was down there. Number one is the exploding bishop of St. Augustine. (laughs) That's Um, right. Yep, they put him in. He was a very famous Catholic priest down there, and they put him—he was a bishop— and uh, they put him in a glass case, and everybody was coming around to pay their respects to him. And they forgot <laughs> that the gases from his decomposing body. <laughs> a little he, pressure built up. He exploded in the church, and people were covered in bishop guts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, another one of the Florida losers <laughs> Florida. we covered. That's a wake you won't soon forget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Uh, another Florida loser that we covered on that one was uh, there was actually U-boat action. Uh, in World War II off the coast where I used to go surfing in the morning. When I say surfing, I mean I struggled and paddled around the water while my buddy surfed. Um, (laughs) But there's a marker that will tell you that this was U-boat action was seen over here, and I believe they sunk a a, a job. I think it was a... It might have been like a Coast Guard ship or something because there's a great story about a sailor who is on shore um, having a drink. He goes, all right, I got to get back to the ship, sees the boat on fire, and he goes, I'll have a couple more. <laughs> um, and for the life of me, I'm blanking about who that third loser was that I covered there. Um, it was a good one, though. It's a, another one of those episodes, those ill-fated episodes I did on loser. my own. So that moves us on to, we did to cover, uh, we always try to do something off the, because it's hack to do an MLK episode or you know something like that for Black History Month. Everybody knows that guy's story. Everyone should know that guy's story. Yep. So we covered Prince Hall instead. Prince Hall, a uh, killer guitar player, um, <laughs> but no, he actually is the guy who co- uh, pretty much in up in Massachusetts, they got rid of slavery way, way earlier than the rest of the country. And Prince Hall was actually really big on bringing the Masons into a thing, so he was going to have a black fraternal society. And it was a weird thing, too, where it, it's, it's kind of a cool everyone working together thing where they're saying, well, listen, we like you guys here in the Freemasons, you're a cool guy, but you can't be a member because it's kind of like a white-only organization. So uh, you go off and start your own thing. So then the, right, right. hilariously enough, they were then brought in, they were given a charter by Irish soldiers in the British Army who were still living uh, in stateside. 
And uh, so then they got their charter that way, and then they started their own thing. And to this day, there are Prince Hall Freemason charters. They have like, uh, you know, it's almost like, seems like a lot of bikers in there. You know, it looks like a fun time. They do like cookouts <laughs> and shit. You know, that's going to be good food too, man. Um, but I will say this, that brings us on to the next one. Miss Ma Barker and the infamous oh, Barker gang. Hey, you got another Mother's Day episode. Mama Fratelli. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> was she, was Ma Barker actually a badass evil criminal? Or was that what she was made out to be by J. Edgar Hoover so that they could justify gunning her and her son down? Yeah, fake news, fake news. It depends on who you want to hear it from, man. <laughs> but who that was a great believe? episode. And that led us to, that got us down a very fun one, too, because we always try to cover uh, a couple of interesting things here. That led us right into the Kansas City Massacre. And that was not the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, and that was uh, <laughs> Mark Barker and the Kansas City Massacre. We're talking about the same time frame, too. Or we're in the, the 30s. Public enemy uh, era. Right. Cops and gangsters and uh, shoot 'em ups and everything else. So, in J. Edgar Hoover uh, time span. Well, he he covered many decades, but uh, where he was really cutting his teeth on uh, capturing all these bad guys. Well, the Kansas City massacre was the when you finally realized that the gangsters had better guns than the agents pursuing them. Right. Maybe maybe <laughs> so. we ought to make sure that our agents are able to carry uh, weapons that at least equal to what. Uh, these guys, are, if the bad guys are coming at you with a Tommy gun, maybe we ought to do something a little more than just the local police force. The Chicago way. Right, right. I just got to point out, uh, Stu Greenberg just left a great comment about a mob barker. Hoover wanted her wardrobe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Stu. Good one, Stu. I wanted that to be so true. They said that that was, um, they said they made that up about him the same way that Napoleon is actually not short, but they just called him short all the time. Really? Yeah, Napoleon wasn't really short for the time, but they they used that as a way to disparage him. I refuse to accept that. That's a yeah, because we all want to see Danny DeVito play him. Oh, that's yeah. what the bottom line is. So, um, but uh, that brings us into this is a very strange one for me. LP, you weren't around for this. My buddy Davey Bohannon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've heard of it from the, from the song, but uh, didn't really know the back. The well, back they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night, <laughs> and I got a DUI in Sandy Hook. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I love that man's music. Uh, but uh, he does do a great song. It's one of the, his great songs ever, Bruce Springsteen's Atlantic City. The opening line tells the story of the chicken man the of chicken Philadelphia. Man. All right, test it. He got blown up, okay? And then there was this vengeance going on between his uh, his son was on like a, a revenge tour. And then there was uh, the murder of uh, 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 Bruno, uh, got his head blown off in the streets. I mean, Philly was nuts, nuts. And it got uncomfortable a couple times because you realize that all the sons it's still kind of and cousins and nephews are all still, still kind of. I'm right. sitting there making jokes and KP's yeah. like, yo, chill. <laughs> I was in Philly. I won't say who it was, but she's a wonderful Philadelphia comic. And uh, she and I were talking about it and she mentioned someone who was very much involved in the drug game down there. And I said, oh, would that be a fun topic for the show I do with my... She goes, you can't talk about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, like, I will see that person again. You're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. And Davey Bo gave us all sorts of weird stuff because his dad took him on like a walking tour of, oh, and here's where they blew up so-and-so. And this on the left here, uh, he was beaten mercilessly <laughs> with a baseball right. bat. So Didn't yeah. we also under, uncover... Um, uh, somebody who owned property down there and was later bought out. My <laughs> favorite part of the whole thing. So I, if I remember right, it was the chicken man's son. Um, he was the chicken nugget. Owned, he was given property. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ming doesn't know this, so this is pretty great. Okay. The chicken man is blown up. Right. 
he leaves his fortune to his son, and the fortune includes a tiny bar in the boardwalk of Atlantic City. And, uh, like, flies are all over this place. It's nothing good going on here. So It's Ming's kind of place, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> love dive. We'd have fun there. I Andy love High Roller's trying to book an open mic oh, yeah. there. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, we had a, a pretty good thing going on um, with that. The episode's good. Kahuna's jaw's dropping a little bit. And then when I finally said this one, we asked him to not be near a window at the time for fear of him falling through it. Um, the chicken man's son made a wise business move and sold this little shitty bar on the boardwalk to future president Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. There's a casino. On yes. Wow. And that, was, that was his, uh, yeah. the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Built yeah listen, tonight going home, uh, you start the car first and then come around and pick me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty cool, man. Uh, moving on, though, because we do got to get the hell out of here shortly. Um, so we've covered a couple good things here so far. We are caught up to... The Philly Mob War. The Chicken Man. There we go. Uh, Belle Gunnis. Yep. Another sweetheart. Sweetheart of a girl. Uh, total sweetheart. Uh, like to, um, well, what she like to do, Dad? Uh, kill people. Chop, chop, <laughs> chop, And then chop. collect the money. The, uh, yeah. the insurance money. And not just not just husbands, but also her own kids. So That's was right. Belle was a little bit of a, yeah. a, a Casey Anthony uh, precursor. Um <laughs> That now yeah. we comp- we I'd like to contrast Bell Gunnis, the worst human being, the worst the worst woman on planet Earth, maybe, with possibly the best, Annie Oakley. Yeah, and, and we've uncovered some uh, interesting fun facts with uh, with Annie. I mean, she a little Miss Sure Shot started out just trying to put food on the table for the family. So yeah, and uh, the guy she beat the best shot in town uh, in a shooting competition, won a bunch of money, and then what happened? Uh, the guy goes, well, I guess I better marry you now. And then they lived for a short period of time in Nutley, New Jersey. Absolutely <laughs> right. true. Worked with Edison, got caught up on their stuff. It was a cool one, man. Uh, brings us up to uh, the quasi-war, which we covered the hell out of. You skipped one, bub. Up, you know, I, I, I ignored that one because I sat there and I was like, oh, am I, are my search results popping up here? Yeah, uh, a guy by the name of Deep Throat. Uh, <laughs> right. The guy who took down the Nixon administration gave up uh, his info and finally confessed uh, after he died. Uh, it was allowed to be brought up that he was, in fact, uh, Deep Throat, and it's all been confirmed. And he's the guy who took down Nixon pretty much, and they said it was because he was getting screwed around with his job uh, in a very high-level government position. But check that episode out there. The Quasi-War, a war nobody knows we had. We had to cover that one in depth. We went ahead and did that one. John Adams gets involved heavily with that one. Old T. Jefferson, he gets involved a little bit too. And uh, a couple other future presidents getting uh, right. caught and up. also brought out the need that maybe we ought to have a Navy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unless someday we have to, you know, some tubby kid from Jersey wants to join it. Oh, Elbridge Jerry. That's another one. He's coming up here shortly. Uh, we had the good Admiral Byrd that we covered, who, uh, again, a brilliant guy. Uh, a lot of Antarctic expeditions, but he gets lost in the conspiracy theory thing. We're like, the lizard people that live underneath it. <laughs> right. So and also, did he really uh, hit the North Pole, or did he just go, well, it's close enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see one pole, you see them all. You know well, he didn't see right. Santa, so I don't, I don't think. Um, then we moving on here. We had Howard Unruh and the Walk of Death, a man, the first mass shooting in American history, took place in Camden, New Jersey. So you know someone called it Taylor Ham. 
Uh, uh, wow, it's the fighting words, man. <laughs> fighting words. Yep, somebody called it Taylor Ham and Howard Un just Went snapped. nuts. Yep. Uh, very, very brutal story on that one, but a great guess with Big Rich from Jersey on that one. Elbridge Jerry, the father of gerrymandering, who is involved in the quasi-war as well. Um, he is the guy, when you hear the term voter ger gerrymandering, that's based off of him. They named the practice after him, and what have we said on this show before, Dad? Yeah, if you have something uh, that's named after a little you. sketchy and it's named after you, uh, well, that's not a real good uh, legacy to be leaving behind. No, it's the truth on that one. Um, let's see real quickly. How are we, uh, how are we doing with time? we got to get out of here? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah, right. 15. 15. <laughs> we'll make it 10. Uh, moving on. Smith. Yeah, I was going to say Kahuna's two favorites we've ever covered here. <laughs> yeah, Sophie, Sophie Smith, Smith, who should be played by uh, Gonzo in a Muppet movie. Uh, <laughs> because he just, uh, he, it's the greatest, he's such a great con man. He pulls off, it's, it's rigged card games, it's all these little like dirtbag things left and right. Um, my favorite thing that he pulled off though, Ming, imagine if you were like, hey guys, I got a podcast studio, why don't you come in and record something? And then you show them the picture of them just on the TV there, and you're like, oh, who do you want to say? Uh, your mom's listening in on the show. What do you want to say to her? And then they start waving to their mom, and then they walk out of here, and they realize you don't have the internet in here. <laughs> he had a telegram station that was sending no wires. There were no wires. They had not ran wires up to that part of Alaska just yet, and he was sending uh, uh, fake messages. Like, oh, and if you didn't, if you weren't dumb enough to go send a message, then he'd send someone out in the town, and be like, hey, there's a message for you down at the telegraph station, right. which you had to pay for both coming and right. going. So. Indeed. <laughs> so he was a, a very fascinating guy. Dory Miller, who has a United States Navy ship named after him, too. Uh, the hero, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., the only redeeming quality of the Pearl Harbor movie. So his true life story is a true life story. And then we, he died at sea a few years later on another ship. Right. I mean, that's one of America's heroes that we should be thanking on the regular. And we can't because him, just like John Bass alone, American heroes that we sent back out into the shit and we didn't get them back. Right. So heartbreaker of a story. But... Everybody needs to know that guy's story, all right? We did that for Veterans Day, I think. Um, moving on, this was Ming's favorite. I think it's Ming's favorite we ever did. And we knew because we got the extra Facebook post about it. <laughs> Three nice boys, a couple of popular mechanics magazines, maybe a Sports That's Illustrated right. or two. Yeah, well, two magazines. Yep, a couple of uh, maybe some art classes, some fake hair. We're going to escape from it. I almost said Jacksonville. <laughs> uh. <laughs> escape from Alcatraz, oh, baby. Yeah. What and That's by the way, such a cool episode. It was so fun, and the movie with Clint Eastwood holds up. A lot of people see older movies; they don't want to watch it. No, watch that one; it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, we covered uh, the infamous Patty Hearst, one of the first cases of Stockholm syndrome uh, or a, a, a affluenza. A nice rich girl who oh, uh, wound up falling in line with her captors, uh, and uh, is still alive, by the way. So, yeah. if yeah, we're ever so going to get legal action against the show, what you say here, Kevin. You know. We've escaped. Can Hurst. we admit when when she was like super thin, super thin with like the she had the cigarette in her mouth and the machine gun, and she's robbing the bank with the people that have kidnapped her? Isn't there a party that's like this girl's got to be wild in bed? Uh, <laughs> gotta be right. Out of doubt. Um, but she was fascinating. Her story deserves to be heard too. Drake's Brass Plate. The boys from comics, cartoons, and uh, craft beer came in here. Good old John B. Croft and Joe Webbs. Uh, they got a fun show over there. Please check them out, too. They came on and we talked about a hoax of a plate that literally was a prank gone wrong. That these guys, this, this dude was dedicating his entire life to looking for <laughs> Sir Nathan Drake's brass plate. 
And these guys said, well, let's make a fake one in my garage just to fuck with them. (laughs) And then they lost track of the plate. And then years later, somebody found it and they brought it to the guy's attention. This guy's life's work was built upon this thing that was actually fake. On a false premise. Yeah, so they pretty much ruined that guy's entire academic career with the greatest prank ever pulled. (laughs) So that brings us up. We did a crossover episode with my buddy Ken Krantz for his show, I Love Rock and Roll. And uh, you know what we say, Ken? If you ask 17 times, the 18th, I'll do it. And he made it all 18. (laughs) There you go. I love Ken, (laughs) man. He does have a good show, though. He's really kicking ass with it. It's a fun show. He's getting some good guests, too. He really is. Um, But uh, Tell him the name of the show, guy. I love rock and roll. We said it. No, but what what was the name of the episode that we? Oh, did? our episode was Mark David Chapman and the magic of reading. <laughs> right. Yep. How's that going to lead you, lead you astray? Yep. Just well, you might assassinate people. Yep. I'm just going to sit here and read this book that Don't Mrs. Worry. Gaynor made me read in tenth grade, and I'm just sitting there finishing the book, and I was like, Why do I want to shoot a beetle right now? <laughs> right. Well, Fascinating well, episode there. We did some goddamn research for this next one here. All right. We went heavy on this one. 68, the Tet Offensive. I've never understood what it was. I wanted to fully understand it. And I think we, I believe if you guys listen to the end of that podcast, um, I believe you got uh, four college credits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we covered did. some shit, man. We did, yeah. There that, was a lot, a lot to be said about that one. And just the whole time frame of 1968, but what was the Tet Offensive? And you all really do it in under an hour. More. And we were there for a good many years. But that was really the turning point. That was if you said '68 Ted Offensive. If you said Kason, which gets featured hev- heavily in that. If you just said right. Kason, somebody goes, "All right, so uh, no sudden movements around this guy." Yeah, it's pretty wild there. Uh, one of the the episodes we did that was just absolutely beloved, uh, and it should be because it's what the show is all about. We're shining the light on guys who come in second place. Sonny Liston former heavyweight champion of the world, an unwanted heavyweight champion right. of the world. The NAACP was against him being world champion because they felt that he was a poor reflection about, uh, by, uh, of what it meant to be a black American. Okay, right. They had a preferred champion. Only problem is Sonny Liston just knocked the shit out of him twice. Right. <laughs> so, And by the way, he also did fight the Bayonne bleeder, Chuck Wepner. So another little Jersey connection there for you. And Wepner said Sonny Liston punched the hardest out of anybody he had ever faced in the ring. Yep. So, and Sonny also was pretty, pretty influential in somebody else's career that uh, made a made a very good living out of knocking people down. Yeah, uh, lose your money if you bet on Sonny. That's it. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, That's knocking it. him out twice too. Wow. Man. But uh, Sonny Liston, also his death, still considered suspicious. That's a good way to wind up on this show. <laughs> uh, Miss Hetty Green, as you covered earlier, Dad, the Witch of Wall Street. <laughs> This chick's worth millions upon millions, and she wears the same dress every day, doesn't wash her hands, and finds bathing to be a waste of time. I still see connections to the Wizard right. of Oz. There's something yeah. there. Oh, yeah, there yeah, when you yeah. look at her face, she is a nasty-looking woman, too, but donated a lot towards the end there. So, uh, Personal favorite story here, Wrong Way Corrigan. <laughs> I love this guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. I like this one, he too. Literally, yeah. um, so Lindbergh had this big important flight, right? Yes. Uh, a lot of fanfare, a lot of, and this guy Corrigan had a, a plane that he pretty much put together with duct tape, all right? <laughs> right. And, and chewing gum. And he was not allowed to go and make this trip, but he would always say, he goes, oh, well, you know, if I ever was to make the trip from New York to, uh, you know, the same flight as Lindbergh, go from New York to, uh, you know, Europe, I'd probably wind up landing in Ireland. You know, I'm Corrigan, I'm Irish, they'd probably have a good time with me over there. And they said, well, you're not allowed to go. 
the, uh, the all the, the the airline people, uh, you know, the air traffic. Everybody's like, no, you're not allowed to do this. You're considering right. yourself. Your, your plane is not worthy of a, a trans uh, transatlantic yeah. flight. So he goes to take off from Long Island. I believe it was Long Island, right? He's taking off from Long Island, uh, and it's a foggy night. And he just uh, accidentally happened to go the wrong way. Lands in Ireland and goes, this isn't California. <laughs> and and they're like, come on, you knew what you were doing, right? And wrong way, Corrigan. He never admitted to it. Um, and then my favorite part is that the New York Times put that article up. I put up. this up. I, put, I told you about yep. this one. The New York Post printed it, the article about the him backwards. Wow. <laughs> Hail, wrong way, Corrigan. Yeah, goddamn American yeah. hero. Hey, the man said I can't. Well, screw you. Yep. I'm, I'm doing it. Did. Is, uh, yeah, and I he think did. he's Irish. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And he so. had like hidden the plane away after that happened, right? Or like, yeah, he, he uh, or tried. But then they brought it out for like the anniversary of, of that flight. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I love that story. part of that story too. Is during the hey, anniversary. Chris Hewitt, by the way, just hello to Chris Hewitt, hello Matt Dalzell, Brian right. Scott. We got a lot of people coming through right now. Hey, Appreciate there that. Go. There we go. And the full audio of this will be available tomorrow. Um, we'll make that work, man. Life is good. Um, what were you saying, LP? Well, with, with we got Corrigan, three more losers to cover after. One that. of the things that I liked about Corrigan is that during, I think it was like 50 years later, uh, in celebration of the anniversary of him pulling this stunt off, they they assemble they reassemble his plane. They take it out of you know storage and reassemble the plane. He's at this air show kind of a thing, but they had to tie his plane up to a police car because they were afraid <laughs> as a 70-year-old man he was going to jump into the cockpit and do, do something crazy Which, all over again. if Cousin Megan is still listening, Wrong Way Corrigan is your father. That's Uncle Bobby. <laughs> it really is him. Right. Uh, we got into Jeff Quinton joined the show um, as a member of the Patreon a little bit later on. A uh, fellow Navy veteran, great guy. I enjoyed talking with him. And Jeff loves uh, South Carolina history. And he actually goes past a monument all the time that's dedicated to a guy by the name of Narciso Gonzalez. Narciso Gonzalez wrote political uh, takedown pieces, hit pieces, about the very, very corrupt South Carolina government. How it was like the governor's cousin and nephew and everybody. Seen, it's like weird. It's one family seems to all be ruling everything. So a political machine, a Tammany Hall-like machine that was running South Carolina pretty much gets ended by a very – if you want to talk the pen is mightier than the sword – Narciso Gonzalez wrote this hit piece taking him down, and boom, how does that guy respond? Shoots him dead in the street. Right. Gets away with it, too, but his political future is ruined. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was a, a nephew or something that took him out, right? Yes, uh, who was going to be being groomed for the next big thing. Right. So, right. yeah, Narciso Gonzalez has a monument now made to him in his honor because, you know what, that is the thing that people always forget. There's a freedom of the press. Right. And uh, this the guy pen died might be mightier that. than the sword, but don't bring a pen to a sword fight. <laughs> oh, it's very true. It's uh, and again, that's a true thing as well. This guy died for his belief in the freedom of the press. Right. So kind of a hero in that regard. That Last, nobody knows about. Oh again, yeah. American no one knows are, about. Uh, high quality. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Patreon just three dollars a month. You can join and get a bonus episode. Okay. If you want to donate the five, go for that. If we lost you on the Patreon, I want you back. I want you back, baby. I've changed. <laughs> I've changed. I'm working on myself. And uh, I, it means a lot to me here. Um, we got two more losers that we're just going to talk about, and then we're going to let Ming get back to uh, whatever he's doing. Um, that's a <laughs> we're trying, brother. But it does mean a lot to me. The support for this show has been overwhelming. My favorite things that happen in comedy is when people scream Jersey or KP at me when I'm uh, walking uh, off the stage. <laughs> and then our good friend uh, and Patreon supporter, founding loser, Marion Flanell, um, saw me up in Poughkeepsie. 
And I was in such a rush to get on the stage because I was running late. I couldn't even understand. And he's German, I believe. So he has a, a good German accent. Yeah. And he screams, uh, American loser, <laughs> as I'm walking up on stage. And I knew what he meant, but everyone else is just like, this guy's, it, really? We're just wow. going to we having a fight here? Who's this foreigner? Yeah. Calling me out. What are you doing? But <laughs> but people scream American loser a lot of the times. Uh, people come up to me and tell me that they listen to the show. They've checked it out. I got to say thank you to a couple of people real quickly. The great Bobby Kelly has been bringing me out on the road with him, and that means a lot. We gave him a Founding Loser sticker. Yeah, and, when it let us into the next episode, but that's all right. It sure did. <laughs> um, so uh, that part was great. The um, uh, I got to thank my pal Chris DiStefano. Uh, Chris has let me promote my stuff on uh, his you know podcast. He had a great show called History Hyenas with him and Giannis Papas, um, and it was uh, there we covered the USS Indianapolis on their episode, and that we then covered as a Patreon episode. And I got the greatest compliment from Matt Bruno Feldman. He goes, "As soon as that episode was over." I started it over again because I just couldn't believe the shit I was wow. hearing. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> that's right. So, um, but this brought us right into, I said, Bobby Kelly, you said Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Machine Gun Bobby Kelly. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, my mother's maiden name is Kelly, so it's all it's all good. Absolutely. The great Chris Covert, who's really, I, I didn't realize this, uh, uh, my genesis story of getting to become friends with all you guys, Ming, is from Covert. For the Ohio yeah. Heroes. That's how I met yeah. all of you. <laughs> what a weird catalyst, for sure. That's right. He's uh, uh, what a that Chris Covert is, first of all, hysterical. Uh, and I got to work with him. We performed for the cast and crew of Clerks 3 over at uh, the Vogel. It was pretty great. Um, but uh, we did this episode to help promote that, which I believe he wound up coming close to selling out. Uh, we covered a guy by the name of Machine Gun Kelly. And he was a total badass, right? At least that's what his wife would have. Well, you that's think. what the media, uh, his wife's. Uh, oh yeah, Nick Franklin his, has the perfect he had his, comment. A great publicist, his wife. <laughs> Pop Gun Kelly. Yeah. Yep, that's what they started calling him because when he finally got sent to Alcatraz as one of the, I believe he was uh, a public enemy. He wasn't number one. He was a public enemy. Yeah, though. he was on the list. And um, J. Edgar Hoover got to brag about taking him down. And then when he was in prison, he was just a model prisoner. And then he would say like, "Yeah, I'm a real badass. I just do this stuff all the time." And the other prisoners were like. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. This guy's so full of shit, man. You ever notice all of his fish get away before he can take a picture of them? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. But uh, he was a piece of work on that one. And a guy who chased him down our most recent episode, which I loved doing. I, I think it was very, very important. Our last Patreon episode that we did was about Spiro T. Agnew, who if you don't know about him, you gotta. You gotta. All right. That is one of the most important people in American history, and not for good reasons. <laughs> but... The final regular episode that we did was about Melvin Purvis. Ming Chen, do you know any? Did, first of all, does that name strike fear in your heart? Uh, not at all. I have no idea who Melvin Purvis is. What if we told you his How nickname? About the name, though, I mean, is that like just by Melvin? Yeah, doesn't doesn't strike any fear. However, what if we told you his nickname was Little Mel? Would that make you afraid? <laughs> Little of Mel, I'm I'm not no not really. Yeah, uh, Melvin Purvis was probably the most successful FBI agent of all time. He tracked down, uh, and he tracked down. He was involved, first of all, the movie Public Enemies tells the story completely out of order. We found that one out; it was very annoying. Um, so, it was pretty wild to figure this thing out because I, I really wanted that movie to be right, but it's not. Um, he is in charge of the manhunt that eventually leads to the death of John Dillinger. Wow! Public Enemy number yeah. one, right? After that, you got to have public enemy number two get promoted to public enemy number one, which uh, might be out of order here, but I believe the next one was Pretty Boy Floyd. Yeah. So then Pretty Boy Floyd gets shot 
by Little Mel. So Little Mel hunts down John Dillinger and his boys take him out. Then he hunts down uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, and his, the rumor is that he shot him himself. Okay. Uh, then there's going to be another one, this guy by the name of Babyface Nelson, who his takedown is going to occur at something. Uh, right. They called it a battle. It wasn't even a shootout. It was a battle. And uh, he's involved with that one as well. He also, I believe, helped chase down Machine Gun Kelly, and I believe he was slightly involved in the Carpus and uh, Ma Barker gang takedowns. So... You know, you've heard all of those names of the oh, bad yeah, guys. For sure. You never really heard nope. the name of Melvin mm-hmm. Burbs. Nope. Well. And there's a reason why, because he was getting a little bit too popular to the point where uh, J. Edgar Hoover was like, well, really, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I'd do all the work. Yeah, I don't he, got ge- he got too jealous while trying on Mom Barker's wardrobe. <laughs> <That's Yeah>. a- <laughs> <laughs> but that was good old Melvin Purvis. He wound up dying under suspicious circumstances uh, in what is deemed either a suicide or an accident. Hmm. But uh, that's how you get on this show, guys, when you want to have something weird with that. You got someone else coming in here. We got an hour car ride home. I got two Guinness left, too. Uh, <laughs> We'll figure it out as we go. Work uh, to be done here. Ming Chen, uh, the, a, a beautiful partnership, a wonderful friendship. Thank you so much for it. All right. Thank you, sir. And congratulations on three years. Three years. Um, we, no one thought we could do it. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, seriously, anything, anytime anyone, anyone asks, a, you're in a studio, Abe, what you got coming out of there? Any good podcasts? And uh, you guys always come up first. Always. I appreciate it. You hear always. that, Ken Krantz? You hear that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And to the friends we've gotten to make, a lot of them showing up in the comments here tonight. You mean a lot to us, the founding losers. You guys are the reason why the show can continue. Yeah, the Patreons. If it weren't for the Patreons, we wouldn't be sitting here after three years. It's absolutely true on that one. And we got to meet our kahuna out of this whole thing, too. So uh, we love you guys. LP, you want to say something nice to the people on the way out? I would love to say something nice to the people. And we just appreciate you guys so much. And uh, without, again, wholeheartedly, without your support, this wouldn't happen. Um, please, please continue to support it because yeah. I'm just having a great time here, even though my son is making me write a uh, lesson plan every, weekly, which I've never done in my 34 years of teaching. Retirement, but. baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, just know this. I love you for doing it. Thank you so much. And uh, you guys out there, it does not happen without you. From a Shared Universe podcast studio, I'm KP Burke, and I'm an American loser. It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything Well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born